0: Do you ever wonder if your life has a purpose or if what you do actually matters in the grand scheme of things? If you've ever wondered that, today is for you. I'm so glad you're with us and we're going to be exploring that very question of what is your purpose and why does it matter as we're together today. I'm so glad you're joining us for that. So what gets you up in the morning? What is it that motivates you to have your feet touch the ground in the first place? You know, for some of us, it might be our pets. Maybe it's the fact that our cat needs to be fed at 5 a.m. every single day, or that our dog needs that walk that you especially grudge at times like this. For some of us, it might be our kids. We have to get them ready for school, get them fed, all those kind of fun things. For some of us, it might be our job. We recognize that if we don't get up in the morning, uh, we will not get to work and maybe not keep that job. Some of us, it might be school, and I recognize that both of the job and school, some of us, we actually don't get out of bed anymore. We just do them from the bed. I understand that. What gets you up out of bed? Coffee? For some of us, we struggle just to get out of bed. We struggle because we wonder if whatever that day is going to bring really matters in the grand scheme of things. We wonder if what we do makes a difference at all, or if there's any purpose to it. I have to tell you, there is purpose to it, and it does matter. The Apostle Paul, in Ephesians chapter 2, said that we are God's masterpiece, that we were created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he had prepared in advance for us to do. In Christ, we are God's masterpiece, and we have good works to do. There is something for each and every single one of us that is to be done, to be doing, and has purpose and meaning in our lives. Sometimes we're unaware of what that might be, and sometimes we look at our lives and we look at things and we think what we're doing is so small or insignificant that it doesn't count, but we're wrong. And that's going to bring us to our big word for today, the mission of God. I'll say it in Latin so it makes me sound smarter, meseo dei, everything in Latin sounds smarter, I know. The mission of God. Some of us might be very familiar with that term. Maybe we've heard it before. Maybe uh, other pastors have preached on it or you've listened to people speak on it. Some of us, it might be very foreign. For some of us, when we hear the word mission, there are certain ideas that come to mind. If we've been in churches for a while, we think of maybe those people we know or don't know who went to some other country to do the work of Jesus, We have these ideas that people who go out, who are missionaries, which is a correct term, are these people doing this great work of God. And they are, for sure. For other of us who maybe don't have church experience, we hear the word mission and we're not so sure maybe what it means. Maybe we're more familiar in like the video games we play and you have a mission to complete. This idea that there's something to be done. And both of those ideas the missionary who goes off somewhere, and the idea that there's something to be done to be completed are what this word is really all about. The mission of God is what God's purpose is in all of creation. There is something that God has done and is continuing to do that will be worked to completion, and we'll talk about that completion next week, that he invites us to participate in. And that mission of God begins in the beginning. For those of us who are familiar with our scriptures, are familiar with the Old Testament and our Bible, we look to Genesis and we read that first chapter in Genesis, this beautiful poetic retelling of the creation of the universe, that God made everything in order and he called it good. And we get to chapters 2 and 3 where we see that God put humanity in this place of perfection, the Garden of Eden, And he gave them a clear instruction of what they are to do to care for his creation. That they were to be in right relationship with him as God, right relationship with each other as as companions, and in all of the creation that was there. But they thought they knew better. And they went a different path. And everything gets messed up. You continue on in Genesis and you see how their decision to not follow God's directive, invites sin into the world, and the result of sin is destruction. We see siblings kill each other. We see the world get so perverse that God wants to start over. We see people try to become like God and, and miss the fact that they are God's creation. And it goes on and on. And then we get into Genesis chapter 12, where God encounters a man, for what we see as the first time, Abram, and says, Abram, through you, you will be blessed and you will be a blessing for all people. And we think this is the mission continued. They were instructed to care for creation, care for each other, and then they messed it up. And then they come into Abram and they say, okay, he's going to be the lineage and it's all going to be great. And then if you read your Old Testament, if any of you have, it isn't all great. Things get worse and worse. People pretend their wives are their sisters there are wars, there are fighting, there's worship of other gods, there are sacrifices to those gods, and God invites some judges in to try and bring order, and they start off okay, and then they decline, and they become perverse, and then God invites some kings in, and they start off, well, okay, then they decline, then they get better, and then they decline again. Over and over again, people follow these patterns of God's instructed them he has something great for them, some great purpose to be a blessing and to be blessed. Yet they try to go their own way and they miss the point entirely. To the point where God brings in prophets in the Old Testament. And these prophets are to call God's people back to him, back to the mission he has. And well, most of them get killed by the people they're trying to give a message to. So we see that all God is doing, trying to bring people back to him, doesn't seem to always work. Which brings us to Colossians chapter 1. The Apostle Paul wrote a letter to this church in Colossae, a group of believers from a diverse, somewhat diverse background, to try and help them understand what the mission of God was, what their purpose was in their everyday, ordinary life why they should get out of bed in the morning and see that there's value in what they do. And in chapter 1, Paul shares this beautiful uh, poem or song with this audience. And when we read our scriptures, we don't always notice the style that things are written in. But here, Paul uses a song or a poem because, one way, it emulates some previous writings that the church would have been used to, but also because it would be something that's remembered, Songs connect with us. They teach us. The songs we sang wonderfully with, with Karen and Andre in and the band this morning, they teach us things about the God that we know. Even songs that aren't very good or we don't like teach us things. And they get stuck in our heads. There's a reason why when I drive my kids and there's an Ariana Grande song that comes on, I somehow know it, even though I have no idea who she is. They stick with us. And so Paul shares this song or poem that maybe he got from somewhere else, but either way tries to point to what is this mission that God has. In Colossians chapter 1 verse 15, he starts with this. He says, the Son, being Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. Paul is saying that in Jesus, everything is made, and he particularly points out levels of leadership and authority, which is incredibly interesting. He could be talking about their local church assembly, that every church has some kind of structure. Uh, we have a structure here, and and every church has got some kind of leadership structure. And he says, well, you know, God's God's created them, and he's put them in this place for a purpose. He could also be speaking to the reality of the Roman Empire, that there were leaders in place and authorities and structures that this group would see in contrast to who they were. They would see it as something that they were a minority in. Christians were not dominant in culture at that time. In fact, they were often viewed as kind of like this out-there little group. For a while, they were thought of as part of Judaism, so they got along with everybody. Then eventually, they were thought of as a different group and faced a lot of persecution. Paul is saying that the leaders and those people in authority are created by God and they exist in their role for a purpose, even when we don't agree with them, which is a tough lesson to learn even today. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, that everything we know, everything we encounter, whether we recognize it or not, is created by God. And with everything, that includes everyone. Even those we disagree with, even those we dislike, they are made by God and for God. In the garden, at the beginning, everything was good. People were in the right relationship with each other. Sin enters the picture, and disunity occurs. They're broken relationships. But God doesn't give up on that. God doesn't give up on us when we disagree with each other. God doesn't give up because we are all made by him and for him. Whether we are protesters or politicians, we are all made by God and for God even when we disagree with each other. We don't get it. But in God's infinite wisdom, he is reconciling us to himself in Christ. He's bringing us back to him, even in our differences. And so as God is working to do that in us, we have the opportunity to participate in this. This is God's mission to bring everything back to the way it was always supposed to be. Right relationships with God, right relationships with each other, and with creation. This is the work of God in the world. You don't have to go overseas to experience it. You can experience it in this room, on your street, or just in your neighborhood. God invites us to be part of this mission that starts with Jesus reconciling us To himself. Paul continues, he says, Well, speaking of us, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your mind because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you wholly in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. This is great news. We were once disconnected from God, alienated, Paul will use the word, meaning there was, there was a break in the relationship. But now, through Christ, we are brought back to him. We are reconciled. We can be made right with God. And it is only through Christ that happens. And he continues saying, this is what Jesus has done. This is what God's done. He has made you right with God, and then in your Bibles or maybe on the screens, there's likely a hyphen saying, well, this is is our part now. God did this. This is our part. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel, this is the gospel that you heard and has proclaimed to every creature under heaven and Of which I, Paul, have become a servant. Paul is making it clear that the work that God is doing is to restore what once was that we broke in our decisions to think we know better than God. And Jesus has made that way by reconciling us to Himself. He's done that. But we, by faith, have to keep living it and acting on it and continue it going. The word faith that gets used throughout the New Testament primarily is a Greek word, pistis. And pistis, while we we think of faith, we think of faith like, oh, you just believe something. But it's about belief based on experience. So those of you who are in this room, you have faith in the chair you sit on because your experience says chairs will hold you up. One day it won't, and that'll be a very hard day for us all. But we have faith put in something because we have experience that says this is what it'll do. When Paul says by your faith to keep this going is you know by your experience with God what God has already done. God has reconciled you to himself and made a way for creation to be renewed and restored and well as relationships. But you have to keep living the truth you know. And if you don't, you're hurting everybody. You don't even realize, especially yourself. Because you're not living in the truth of what God says about you. That you are that masterpiece created for good works long ago. That you have a reason to get out of bed in the morning. That everything you do is pointing to this good news of Jesus. But you need to remind yourself that. You need to keep living that. God's done his part. Our part is to keep living it. Leslie Newbegin was a uh, theologian, a pastor, a missiologist, and he wrote some wonderful books. The Gospel and Pluralistic Society is a great book if you ever get to read it. But he said this about the mission of God. He says, To be elect in Christ Jesus, there is, and there is no other election, means to be incorporated into his mission to the world, to be the bearer of God's saving purpose for his whole world, to be the sign and the agent and the first fruit of his blessed kingdom, which is for all. We are the image of God here, the reflection of the creator The reflection of the one who redeems us. And what we do matters. Every day we encounter people, every day we do little things, and we don't realize it, but we stand in the gap as God's agents of reconciliation. C.S. Lewis in The Way to Glory talks about how there are no ordinary people that you'll ever meet. Everyone is either the most vile creature of hell or the most splendid creature of heaven. But you stand in the gap and help them decide which to be. We are, in the image of God, those who live by faith that point to the hope that is in Christ. So what is our part in this mission of God? Our part is to live in such a way that the gospel is the answer. To live in such a way that what you do, how you act, and how people perceive you gives hints to the glory and goodness of God. Whether that's how you drive on a highway, how you interact with people online, the people who serve you as baristas or cashiers, The students you go to school with, your employer, your colleagues, live in such a way that the gospel becomes the answer to the questions they have. That is our part in this mission of God. God has done the work to begin reconciliation with all of creation. We play the part to stand in and be a reflection of that good news. When we live by the faith, the knowing of what God has done every day in every way that we can. There is no better reason to get out of bed in the morning than this. Sure, your dog needs a walk and your kids need breakfast. But even in those things, you are reflecting the glory of the Creator, Redeemer, and Sustainer of our lives and our souls. The mission of God is God is reconciling all of creation to himself. The part we play is he invites us to know what he's already done for us and then to live like it in such a way that the gospel is the answer to questions that come our way. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are reconciling us, actually you have reconciled us to you, that you have invited us to be restored in this image of you as your loved creation, that we are your beautiful poem, your masterpiece, and that you want that beauty to shine to the world, that as you work to bring more people to you, you invite us to reflect that goodness in all we do. I pray this morning that, Holy Spirit, we see the part we play in the everyday, ordinary moments. We see that there's a reason why our feet hit the ground in the morning. And we know by faith, by acting what we know and experience, that you love us, you love this world, and you want it to know that. I pray we can become people who demonstrate the gospel in all we do, this good news that in you, Jesus, you are making things right, and you invite us to participate. And I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. As you go today, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit, and know there's a reason to get up every morning. God bless you.